Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dungeons & Dragons, the Make a Wish Upon a Star campaign. I'm your story master, Scott Riley, and I have my whole party with me today, starting with the lovely and charming Ghanem. Say hi, Ghanem. Lovely and charming? That's new. Yeah, it is. Isby? Hello. Uh, Oz? Hey, everyone. Eugene? Hello. And Logan? What up, y'all? It's your boy. And Sabine. Hello, hunties. All right, some quick house cleaning items. The first is that I forgot to mention that Eugene received a cloak of billowing from Daphne. It has drow insignia and carved, uh, carved on it. And that Isby, on the last day of her break, uh, remembered a druid cantrip from a time she was camping with her uncle. Last time, our party got their first taste of rest since coming to the city. In the wake of Foyna's death, Fixter ordered everyone to take a week of time to mourn, and he left, clad in full armor, to go recover the body. While the party was deciding what to do, a new half-orc named Ghanem was introduced and was allowed to join in the week off, as this would be the group he would be assigned to for future adventures. Each party member spent their time as they saw fit. Logan wanted to get stronger, so he decided, or so he was introduced to some of the guard and was trained in combat. Sabine felt like there was no better course of action than to drink, so of course she gambled her way to glory and met up with her old commanding officer, Krieg Battlebarrel, who convinced her to take a job, and at the end of the week she woke up hungover with a note saying that she was going to plan the winter festival. Oz went off to learn as much as he could about the ritual that he saw in the cave. Combing through dusty tomes, he learned a lot but gained no specific leads as to who may have cast the ritual. He also went out to investigate the farmlands outside of the city with little to no success in gaining any new information. Isby learned a lot more about the Gravekeepers, that was cool, and made a new contact uh, who calls himself Diamond. Going for broke, she pays Diamond for a single clue about her uncle's whereabouts, but the sewers of Nightvale aren't known for their hospitality. Not a good start. Eugene and Ghanem spent some time together, taking in the simple joys of the city, and they exchanged some friendly advice. After a day or two together, Ghanem heads back to the shanty base of Delta Team and is displeased with what he sees, so he spruces it up a little bit, puts some elbow grease in there, and makes it look nice. And then after a week of R&R in Azure Haven, Eugene feels relaxed and ready to get back to work. So the week is over, and everybody wow. is you know, headed towards Omni Repair. You're all in a group together. This is just how we're going to start the episode off. And you're, you're on your way back to work. And we're all together? Yes, you are. You're making your we're way downtown. This together... I have 30 seconds of that. No, you don't. Yeah, you do. It's 30 seconds. It's, the copyright is 30 seconds. It is not. You can actually look it up. You get zero seconds. Of, of their singing it. You get 30 seconds of you singing it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. 30 seconds of them singing it is totally illegal without their, their consent. Anyway. But, like, this could be seen as, like, mimicry. Of course. I don't know. Not the point. It's a farce. Um... So, where are we located? You're currently in the King's Square, and you've got about uh, an hour's walk to the guild. It's early morning. So far, you're all very quiet, just walking next to each other. Totally inconspicuous. 
Uh, so, how was everyone's week? No. Could have went better, I think. How was your week? Uh, it's alright. Um, Volk introduced me to some interesting people. Uh, I learned what they call a maneuver, which is kind of cool. But, uh, still kind of bummed about the whole Fuena thing. Yeah, it seems like we, we all are, so... Don't, don't think you want us to be upset. Oh, no, I get that, but... They seem to be well, someone I... that lived in the moment. Yeah. If I, if I might, if I might interject a moment. I tend to find that most of the time when you're still hung up on the death of someone you care about, it's not loss. It's guilt. Just understand yeah. that you can't beat yourself up over what you could have done. Just know that you did your best. And at the end of the day, it's only well and good when fixed with a pound. <laughs> I mean, no, that's actually not always. You know what? You do. Well, I, I wanted to spend the past week trying to put this out of my head, so. Yeah. Well, Here we are. When we get stronger, or at least when I get stronger, I want to go back. And I want to find that fucking thing. And I want to, I want to kill it. Will and killing it make you feel less guilty? Oh no. The guilt will pass in time. But that thing pissed me off. Speaking of which, mm -hmm. I wonder if Fixstar killed it. Oh yeah. Forgot that he went after that thing. I hope not. He did go in his full plate. Alright, well. If he didn't get it, I would... If you would all... Not now or in the near future, but... Once we think we're strong enough to take this thing on again, we should go back, because just blocking an exit, I don't think, is going to stop it. I'm right there with you. I feel like we missed something. But there's I no way to... I have no idea what you're talking about. You're right, Donovan. But I appreciate you coming in and giving us your safety advice. Anytime. But we did what we could with what we had. We gotta carry on and keep going. So that's all I gotta say. You guys make it to the door of Omni Repair. As you enter the the guild, you see Volk in his standard position, kind of taking a nap behind the desk, and you see Fixstar to your right in the circle of chairs where the loot is ceremoniously placed. And as you all walk in, he goes, Ah. Hello, everyone. Come in. I'm going to take a seat around the circle. Okay. I'll do the same. Assuming everybody kind of sits around fixed star. Sabina's going to try and sit in a chair, but since she's so hungover, she's going to miss it and fall on her ass. <laughs> that resolves. Fixed star kind of shakes his head a little bit and says, Logan, would you help her up, please? Yeah. She smacks his hand away. I don't need any help. Just perhaps a glass of water. Maybe two. Oh, you don't want a pint? You know, I've heard it said that uh, hair of the dog is helpful. But uh, yeah, yeah, I can't, I, I can't think of what I drank. So I don't know what the hair of the dog would be. Yeah. Can I get up and get her a glass of water? You can. You go to the anything room, you open up the armory, and there's clear water basins with mugs near them. I'll grab two of the drink dog hair. 
Okay, hold on. Logan, what are you doing? Uh, I'll just grab him and bring him back to her. Okay, as Logan returns, Ghanem, what did you want to say? So, why why would anyone want to drink dog hair? It's superstition. Sabine takes, <laughs> takes the water cast from Logan and looks up to the sky and she says, I'm so sorry, I'm such an embarrassment. And she drinks the water slowly. Okay. I take it everyone had a good week, especially Sabine. Mm, yes. Uh, how how about you, Fixar? How how did your week go? Last time we saw you, you were uh, headed away, full clad in plate mail. Yes, and I'll be straight. Well, let's get straight to the point. I was unable to find Forna's body, and. I didn't see any Nantu, although there were some strange things in that cave. I didn't see anything that would suggest Nantu were there. Not that I'm saying I don't believe you. I'm just saying I didn't see anything. And you said you killed a couple, correct? Uh, three or four of them, yeah. Ah, uh, well, they must take the dead, the bodies of the dead with them, because the cave was almost entirely picked clean. So, even in the uh, giant crevasse, I did not explore the chasm. We saw hundreds of them coming out of it. That's the only reason I was wondering. The cave seemed empty. There were no noises. Very few signs of blood. There was clearly a battle there. I saw that you fought something, but nothing else. No goblins. No goblins. Although there were remnants of a goblin camp, I saw no goblin bodies and no goblin remains anywhere. Seems like they're trying to hide their tracks. It would seem so. But, for now, we should put a pin in this and return to it at a later date. You all survived a week, and I did agree to tell you more about the mysterious assailant that we will be dealing with in the future. So, the masked bean who killed Gramp and invaded the city of Nightvale is called Iro. He is an elf of both considerable magic and magical and physical power. Many years ago, my father ran Omni Repair, and I was sent on jobs across the continent. This was when we had a mind to take to make Omni Repair a much bigger enterprise. One day, while doing a job in the Forêt de Junabre, I met Iro. His skills back then were considerable, and I saw potential. A potential I could use to boost Omni Repair's name, so I asked him to work with me. We worked together doing various jobs in places across the continent, not only Foray de Junarbre, but also Stormspire and Edelbergberg. At first, I didn't like him. He was quiet and distant. He always ate alone, drank alone, and if the job didn't require us in the same room, by God, he would find his own means to complete it. But, over time, I was able to convince him that keeping company with me and my, my band wasn't so bad. And we became friends. Getting to know him was actually fun. He seemed like a good person. One day, a job went south, though. And that changed everything. I can't recall everything that happened that day. But he became more closed off than when we'd started and he'd snap at everything we said. One day he just 
left. And the last thing that he said to all of us was that we'd always be puppets of the gods. And that needed to change. And he was gone ever since. So that is how I know who he was. You mentioned he was searching for something, or that he mentioned that he was searching for something, and it wasn't clear what. I've been thinking about this in my spare time, and how we can stop him from finding it. I'm willing to let you help. But it can't take away from your job. We still have problems that need to be fixed inside the city. Do we all agree? Yeah, I agree. Certainly. All right. So, before I come up with a plan to figure out whatever it is Iro is looking for, you all have another mission to do. Are you ready? Sabine raises her empty glass of water and nods. Okay. Uh, hearing no dissension in the rank, Fixstar uh, walks to the center of the guild under the large chandelier and says, Shandalia, the quest, please. And again, you see a magical light appear under the chandelier and a small piece of paper falls from the ceiling. Fixstar grabs it in midair, looks it over. Hmm, yes, this is the correct one. Who wants this one? And he kind of hand, holds it out to anybody willing to grab it. I go for it. All right, Eugene, you grab it. And as you grab the paper from Fixstar's hand, he kind of holds your gaze for a second and says, this is a request from someone who's an old friend of the guild. Treat him well when you see him. All right, Eugene? Mm, very good. All right, so you get this piece of paper and it says... Mm, hello, Fixstar. I'm requesting your guild help involving a sensitive matter. Recently, among the list of many strange things that uh, occur in Mohol about a week ago, several children went missing. Their parents came to report this to me in a case they showed up in case they showed up at the clinic. Yesterday, a few more parents came by to report their children had also gone missing. This brings up a total of 10 children missing in less than a month. What makes this so strange is that the parents do not know do not owe any money nor were the children sick. None of the children were ill-tempered, bad-mannered, or prone to acts of mischief. The parents reported their children missing to the guardhouse in the guild's district, but you know that won't do much. There have been reports of sightings of the children, but they instantly flee at the sight of any who approach. So I'm asking Omni Repair to help me find these children. This is most important to me, so if you need to ask me any questions, I'm currently doing a residency at the clinic in Mohol, just outside the Bangalore district. Then there is a 600 gold reward for finding the children, I assume. And I That's... put the paper down on my side. Fixstar, do you say that out loud, Eugene? Yes. Fixstar looks at you and says, of course it's for finding the children. What else would you get 600 gold for? I just kind of turn red. <laughs> All right. Well, I have some business to take care of. If you need anything, you know where everything is in the guild. Take care, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Volk! And Volk wakes up. Yeah, yeah, I got you, Fixstar. I got you. Quit, quit nagging. He reaches into the desk and produces six small vials of a red shining liquid. Here you go, guys. Enjoy. This is for all of you. After what happened to Foyna... I feel like you might want to carry one of these around. So each of you grab one of these healing potions. And you all recognize them as lesser healing potions. Right. I don't care. 
<laughs> what? Right on time for me. All right. Right so, on time for me. I got 30 seconds. You do. You know what? I'm going to leave it in there. Until we get a cease and desist letter from Squaresoft, Square Enix, or whatever they are now, it's staying. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Fight the power. By the way, you should, by the way, you should check the mail. There's a cease and desist letter by Square Enix. Now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys now have this quest to help what on the top of the quest mentioned the name of the person is Gilneas. You're looking for children in Mohol, and Gilneas is willing to provide information, and there are directions to the clinic in Mohol, just outside of the Bannerless District, in the, the quest. Um, with, I, I wouldn't know where the Bannerless was, that it's nowhere near the pits and stuff, right? You, that term is unfamiliar to you. Okay, just wondering. Yeah. Would Sabine know with her knowledge of guilds? It is not a guild. I will spoil that for you now. It sounds like a guild. Right? The banner list. Sounds pretty dope. Yeah. You guys should totally go there and not die. Cool. Uh, uh, <laughs> so you're all sitting around in Omni Repair. Uh, should we go meet this doctor? See what he knows. Yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. Cool. Um, is there anything we need from the armory? Ga uh, Ghana, do you need any weapons or anything? <laughs> Cool. I have a long sword and I have my holy symbol. That's it. And pants. I also have javelins on my horse. Yeah. Hey, boy, javelins? Javy boys. I throw javelins too. Do you get them back? I try. It's a joke. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'll, I'll just look at him and be like, oh, okay. That was pretty good. All right. Uh, well. So I'm going to just start billowing my cape. And, <laughs> do, it, do it. And marching with my, like, fists kind of clenched at my waist like I'm Superman out the door saying, I'm going to find this doctor. Who's coming with me? Uh, I'm right behind you. Eugene, lead the way. Okay. You won't be going alone, boy. Don't worry. We'll be with you. Anyone else? I want to find out why these lazy-ass guards aren't helping children. Uh, how long have you spent in Mohol? <laughs> uh, what day is it? Tuesday. Sunday. Which one? Look, man, uh, I, don't, I haven't really talked to anyone, but, you know, burning daylight. It's, oh. it's terrible. The guards don't care about their jobs. Uh, they're basically there. guards? Because, from what I'm assessed, uh, they're there to keep the poor down. But that's not a guard, then. That's a thug. Well, it's a thug with a badge. Badge. Ganem, lead the way to Mohole. What? 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 No. I don't know where it is. I'll lead the way to Mohole. <laughs> All right. You all are on your way to Moho. Let's see what happens. Uh, does anybody want to stop or do anything on the way? Yeah, I do want to stop at my horse, which I'm assuming the guild has stables, and grab the uh, the quiver of javelins, basically. The guild does not have stables, but your horse is located right outside next to the steps. Then that. Okay. You grab your javelins. That's... Your horse is happy to see you. Pat him on the neck. 
check his water and feed and go. Everything looks good. All right. Anybody else want to do anything on their way to? Um, no. We're standing near the horse. Uh, Logan looks a little timid around the horse because people don't really use horses. No, they don't. So he's, he's just like, oh, okay, look at this giant thing. Uh, yeah, this is, people ride these. Not a fan. Or they bite. We'll just kind of stand off to the side. All right. That's not a problem at all, Logan. And I'll reach forward and uh, using speak with beasts. Damn it. Verbal thing. I'm going to try and communicate. No, it's... it. I can't understand it. Like, I can't actually talk to it. I mean, it can understand me, but I can only communicate simple things. So I just want to tell it to, like, shake its head or stamp its hoof if Ghanem is a decent person. Uh, the horse does both. Okay. I, I just want to say, I, I can speak with animals because I'm a druid. But I, also, I have speak with animals. So while everyone's like, gathered around talking about my horse. Yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just like um his name's Olam. I named him after my son. I found him about two weeks ago and as you can see he's a chestnut. I can you know I can I can tell you you don't have to talk to him. I mean you can he's nice enough but just saying is all it means not really standing anywhere near the horse, she's kind of like at the doorway of the stable, just with her arms crossed, There's looking no very, sorry, at the edge of the room or where, wherever it We're is. outside by the stairs. You're on the stairs. At the, end of, at the end of the stairs. Sabina's at the end of the stairs with her arms crossed, looking very uh, standoffish and uncomfortable. It's at this point that Volk comes behind you, Sabine, and goes, are you vagrants still here? Come on, get out, go, shoo, shoo. Horse here. I don't get to see horses often. We're just appreciating it. Well, you're really loud, and you're interrupting very important business, Isby. Did you not see what I was doing? Go. Go, 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 go. Weren't you just napping? Logan, it may look like I was napping, but I was really meditating, ascending to a higher plane of existence. Don't question me. Uh, Sorry, sorry, Volk. Go back in there and, and, and go back to your meditation. I will. And he slams the door behind you guys. Um, I'll give really it like napping. a beat. Yeah, he was napping. I'll give it a beat and wait until like I'm pretty sure he's in his chair, and then I'm just gonna kick the the door as hard as I can, try just try to jolt him, and then start walking. One second. Yep. You hear a loud thud, by uh, followed by a God damn it. <laughs> which which god? Oh, excuse me. By the gods. Damn it. <laughs> All right. I think we should go to Mohole and find these kids. Yep, let's go. All right. I hope it's that easy. It always it is a night veil. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it won't be. Uh, but uh, hopefully we find them alive. <laughs> What's your destination in Mohole currently? Uh, I'm going to head towards... So we don't, do we know where the, the, the clinic this is? Yes. Uh, Oz. Okay, so we, oh, sorry. The directions are on the back of the parchment. Damn, oh. damn you good, Oz. Oh, well then we'll just yeah. follow the map. All right, everybody follows the map.
You guys enter Molehole a couple hours later. It's about midday at this point. And turning and, you know, weaving your way through the back streets of the shanty houses in Molehole, you eventually come across a small stone building that stands out among all the shanties. The way the door and the round windows are placed, the face of the clinic resembles a look of sadness. On the second story is a common medical symbol of a wand and a syringe painted in all red. There seem to be a couple of people kind of hanging out outside, coughing and sitting down at the front of the building, as well as people going in through the door without any issues. You are surrounded by shanties other than the stone building. I'll walk over and open the door and hold it open for everyone. All right. Uh, thank you. I'll make my way in. All right, Logan. Drudden behind him. All right, one at a time. Sabine? Sabine nods her head thanks as she goes by. And Eugene? I'll strut in behind him. I'm kind of clearly overcompensating, trying to look brave. Fair. The billowing cape is magnificent. <laughs> I go in last. I pat, pat him on the shoulder, give him a warm smile. Nice, nice. All right, so everybody's inside, and you notice that you're in a small waiting room where the sounds of coughs and sneezes echo. It also smells like sweat in here. The room is tight and feels very cramped. You all kind of have to shuffle in a single file to make it through people. You notice a set of stairs on the right going up and two doors on the far end of the room to your left. Everybody definitely seems sick and haggard. There's about 20 people in this room where it should only be able to fit 10 <laughs> comfortably. Nobody notices you as you come in or nobody pays you any attention. Um, okay. Uh, is there like a receptionist? Not that or you see. Uh, should we wait, or... I'll do a quick scan. Does anyone look injured, like suffering from any sort of physical pain? Yeah, no need to roll a check. Everybody in the room outside of the six of you looks either sick, physically injured, or mentally addled. Gotcha. I'll go up to one of the injured individuals. Okay, uh, let's roll the d say. You come across a dwarf who is in commoner's clothes. He seems to be holding his chest very tightly and very gently rocking back and forth. He kind of looks up at you as you approach. Hi, what do you want? Hey, I can help out. Could you let me see the nature of your injury, please? He starts to cough and hack violently and goes, The nature of my injury is I'm sick. I need medicine. I was looking for someone that might have a, a gash or a cut, sorry. He nods and he goes, alright, about your business. You want to roll a perception check to kind of like peek over people's arms and look, you know, at open clothing to see if you can find any physical injuries? Yeah, I'll just doing this while they're waiting or doing whatever though. Okay. We'll resolve uh, me, it. Uh, 21 for the roll. You notice out of the roughly 14 people in the room that several of them have open wounds and bruises and they're all cradling them in one way, shape, or form. That's fine. I'll just pick one at random and go attend to them, but that's just 
while they're doing whatever. So Oz, you're currently, you know, attending to somebody. You see one of the back, everybody sees this. One of the doors opens up and you see a small rough looking man with a bloody apron come out. What's interesting is that he, outside of his haggard apron, everything else about him looks quite clean. He has a waxed mustache. His shoulder length hair is slicked back with grease and his skin looks very, very soft and clean. It's just that his apron is super bloody. He's wiping his hands off on the top of his apron, and he goes, You, Furbolg, what are you doing? Oh, uh, assisting. I saw you were pretty well at capacity here. Oh, I apologize. I'm a little on edge. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of people here today, and I don't have time to take care of them all. So I'd appreciate your help, and he tries to hand you a gold piece. I fold his hand back over it and kind of give it a push back and just put my hand up and tell him I'm all right. You, you six, what are you doing here? You don't look sick or injured. We're here about missing children. Oh. Fixstar sent us. You guys are with Omni Repair. Awesome. Come this way. And he crosses through the crowded room to open up the second door and kind of like waves you all in. Cool. To go in. All right. Everybody goes in. You notice that you're in a medical examination room. There's an examination table, some cabinets, and some medical instruments on one of the dressers. All right. He closes the door behind all of you. We can probably talk in peace here, but I can't promise anything. If Sharice comes down, I'm not here. Sharice is my assistant. Sure. You're, you're not here. Exactly. Hey, what's going on? So, I... I said everything that I knew in the letter. Do you guys have any questions? That's why you're here, right? Yeah. Um, I think we just figured the the more information we have, the better equipped we'll be. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, are all the kids from Mohol, or are they from different districts? No, they're all from Mohol. Different parts of Mohol, but it's all poor and sad anyway, so nobody really keeps track. Is it near the walls or more towards the center? Uh... It's actually quite spread out. Some of it's in the undercity, you know, under the side of the mountain where Mohol kind of digs in there. Some of it's from the main square. And then two of the kids are actually from the Bannerless district, but I don't think you should go there. Why not? What's so dangerous about it? Well, Dwarf, are you immune to disease and pestilence? I could be. Well, then you're fine. Please go in the Bannerless district and help me cure some of the people there. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe not. Ah, uh, well, we can't have... They, uh, you can't win them all. So, if I were you guys, I would either start in the Undercity, or I'd go to the main square and maybe talk to the parents there. Uh, the best I can, best advice I can give you is that a lot of people have said they've seen the children, but the children run away at the sight of anyone coming to help them. Hold on. So is this or is this not kidnapping? I don't know, but these children don't run away from their folks. Like, they need people to survive. This is Mohol. Children can't make money on their own here without doing very... Children make money? What sort of savage city is this? Children don't need money. They need upbringing, education. Exactly. And to do that, they need to stay with their parents. And most kids are smart enough to do that, especially 10 in a month. You know, that's just a crazy number of kids to suddenly decide they want to run away. My assumption is it's the Thieves' Guild, but I've got no evidence. Where have these kids been seen? All throughout Mohol, usually at night. That's the other strange thing, 
is somehow ten kids, or at least six of them have been seen, are surviving out in the open at night in Night Vale with no guardians. That's kind of weird. He starts to curl his mustache and contemplate deeply while he thinks about what he just said. Yeah. Have there been any crimes or attacks in the area where the children have been sighted? Oh, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, what was your name? I apologize. I called you a furball. My name's Gilneas, and he stretches his hand out to shake your hand, Oz. Oh, it's no problem. We don't really use names, but Oz, Oz would better home. Ah, okay, Oz. So, it's funny that you mentioned that. Now that I think about it, yeah, a lot of breaking and entering has been happening where the kids have been spotted, more so than normal for Night Vale. At least that's what the guards report. All right, so we can go ask the guards about last breaking and enter. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, can, can, sure I, can I roll an insight check on this? All right, hold on, one at a time. Uh, Oz, what did you want to say? Oh, I just said, I'm sure there's some guards that are doing their best and still want to help. Mm, you want can to roll- I run an insight check on this guy real quick? Yeah, roll it. Yeah. 14. He seems very straightforward based on what you saw between him and Oz as he handed the coin there. He's a very straightforward and honest guy. Sabine kind of steps forward and says, Now, in your note to Omni Repair, you said something about the guards not being helpful. Can you give us any more detail upon that? I mean, yeah, sure. The guards don't help anybody in Mohole. They're here to keep the peace and nothing else. The, From my understanding, they're stretched pretty thin as is, and their presence is literally to keep riots from happening. And is there anyone in charge who's captain of the guard for Molehole? Uh, well, there's the CEO of all of Underfoot, which is Nila Nara, but he's all the way in the Guilds District. There's a commander, I don't know his name, he works out of the Quill District, but he pretty much sticks to the Quill District. The best command, like the, the highest rank soldiers here would barely be lieutenants at best, and they don't stick around. They get all the privates and underlings to do all their work for them in Mohol. So there's no one on the ground who we could go talk to? I mean, there are plenty of guards you could talk to, just no higher-ups. Not in Mohol. Why would they be here? Just anybody who might be in charge. Nope. Uh, the closest thing you go, you could go to the Quill District. Uh, contact there if we need to go. I've actually met the the captain of the guard. That's where I was all week. Where Where is the 600 gold coming from, and why are you the one reporting these and not the children's parents? Well, the 600 gold is coming from a collection because we know the guards aren't going to solve the problem. People in Mohol who aren't total assholes actually look out for each other. I am the doctor in the area, so I am the... And he puts his fingers up to make quotation marks... I am the trustworthy person around here. So I'd like to roll inside to see if he's lying. Go ahead. Yeah, nine. The most suspicious thing about him is his mustache. Okay. Again, you feel like he's very straightforward. He's telling you how it is, like it is. Okay. How, uh, Jamie, how far away is, um, is, uh, Stryker's bar from here? You recognize the area enough that you know you could go there in about 20 minutes. It's back at the main square. You're not that far from it. 
the main square of Mohol. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Uh, maybe we should head to the square, ask some people. We've seen the kids. Uh, there's a bar that I know of that I went to where I've been where there might be a guy who's in the Thieves' Guild that I could ask a couple questions. He owes me a favor and a shirt. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we could find out some, some information there. That's fair. I think the Thieves' Guild is definitely involved. I think they're using the children as bait to try and lure people into certain places, maybe out of their houses. Oh, <clears throat> one second. I look at the doctor. He said, you did know that there had been break-ins around where the children had been spotted. Yeah, I did. Had they all been spotted in Molehole? Yes. It seems to be... Oh, hold on. The DM's having trouble finding the word. It seems to be localized just around Molehole and nowhere else. If Molehole's so pissed... This isn't a direct question. This is, uh... What's that word? Rhetorical? Rhetoric. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Rhetoric, Yeah. <laughs> If Mohol's so poor, why are they breaking into poor people's houses? I mean, I can only speculate, but my assumption why is that... a rhetorical question. No, he, you say it out loud, though, right? <clears throat> yeah, it's more like to the room. Yeah. Like, and he so kind of looks around and says it, but yeah. The doctor can't resist answering a question when asked. The doctor looks at you and says, I can only speculate, but my assumption is that the Thieves' Guild, they're thieves. And if there's something worth stealing around here, they're going to do it no matter what. He continues to curl his mustache and looks deep in thought at the silence in the room. Well, the the trail's getting colder the longer we stand here. So if anybody wants to come back to the main square molehole with me or to the bar, by all means, uh, that's where I'm going to head to. I'm going to stay for just a little while, clean some bandages and see if the patients know anything. Okay, are we splitting the party? Split the party. Split the party. I like this instigation of danger. I'm, I'm not sticking around for too long. I just, I can press the digitize and bandit. Okay, so we'll just say that, uh, assuming, so really quick, does everybody else want to go to the, the bar with Logan? Yeah, I'm going to, but on, on my way out, I'm just going to, I'm going to use two spell slots and make, um, 20 good berries and just hand them to people and say, and tell them to eat it. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to that point. So everybody else leaves, and Eugene, what we'll say is that you spend like five minutes prestidigitizing things, and you'll catch up to them like right after they get into the bar. Okay? Yeah. Alright, so as you all seem to be ready to leave, the doctor holds out his you know hand, Ghanim, you're the closest, and says, well, I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing, and if you have any more questions... Feel free to stop by. I hold out my hand to him and shake it. It probably engulfs his entire hand. Though. It does. He is not a big man. And he realizes how big you are. Kind of one of those, you know, moments of clarity when, you know, nothing was, or it wasn't obvious how big you were until you shook his hand. And he goes, he kind of yeah. like retracts it really quickly. All right. Well, good luck to you guys. And let me know what you find out. He kind of opens the door and shuttles you guys out. You hear a frantic woman running up and down the stairs calling out for Gilneas, and Gilneas says, I'm right here, and they go back to work. Isby, you produce the 20 good berries and hand them out to people who look like they need them, and you get a lot of thank yous, and 
several people make veiled religious symbols with their hands as you do this magic for them. But the room seems to, the mood in the room seems to lighten after you've performed your, your Goodberry miracle. Do I catch that on the way out? Yeah, it's... I was trying to be... Can I... I try to be a little sneaky? Yeah, so let's find out. Uh, Isby, you roll... Not not her. I'm I'm trying to see the veiled, like, religious influence. So are you particularly alert? Because if not... uh, Well, let me answer that question. So what's your passive perception? Twelve. So unless you, for some reason, can tell me why you're especially alert and looking for something, you see none of these. Then I don't. All right. Uh, everybody else leaves and goes out the front door. Eugene, you press to digitize some dirty bandages. And as you're finishing up and about to leave, the doctor comes back out and goes, Hey, you're pretty handy. Do you want a job? Mm, I, I, I would if I could fit it in with my responsibilities at Omni Repair. What do you have in mind? Well, I need another assistant, so... I'm not trying to take you away from Omni Repair, but whenever you've got some spare time and you want to make some gold, come back. You're really good at here taking care of bandages. Very good. I'll I'll see you around at some point. All right. What was your name again? Eugene Brunkel. Pleasure to meet you. Ah, pleasure to meet you, Gilneas. I stick my hand out and shake it over enthusiastically. He receives the handshake very heartily, and you part ways amicably and head towards the bar that Logan mentioned. He gave you directions before he left. So we're going to fast forward and I'll let you know when you come in, Eugene. Logan, you recognize the sad shanty of a bar that is Strikers and the doorman is standing outside. Do you remember his name? Yeah, it's Hiccup. Mm -hmm. He's standing outside. He recognizes you, smiles, and waves. Uh, I'll wait back. Hey, Hiccup. How's it going, man? Great. That gold you gave me bought me a new shirt. What do you think? And you notice that it is now not a potato sack, but an actual tailored shirt. Uh, real nice, man. That looks great on you. Thanks. Go on in. Striker's ro- uh, warming up the beer now. Great. Hey, Hiccup. And I'll lean in close. Um, Gruel, the orc that brought me by the first time. Mm-hmm. You seen him around? No, he hasn't been by in, like, ten days. I'm actually kind of worried about him. Great. Um, I know this is going to sound weird, but you wouldn't know anybody who might know some stuff about the Thieves' Guild and the missing children that are going... The missing children happening around town, would you? Well, I, a lot of people know a lot about the Thieves' Guild in Mohol, but as far as missing children, I didn't know any children were missing. I mean, kids go missing all the time in Mohol. Gotcha. Uh... You think Stryker might know something? Yeah, he knows a lot. All right. Um, thanks, Hiccup. Uh, mind if I bring my friends in as well? I mean, if you can fit them in the bar, that'd be great. We could use the business. I'm going to wait outside if it's all the same. It is to me. Yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go head in. Okay. Who else goes in? Uh, I do. All right. Oz goes in. Sabine. Sabine you... follows. All right. Is? Uh, I broke up. Where are we going into? <laughs> uh, you're currently outside of a very small shanty hut bar. Logan has just finished uh, whispering to the doorman and has invited you guys into this place that he that Logan is familiar with. He seems okay, to be friendly some- with the doorman. Someone's outside? Yeah, and Ghanem has decided that 
he's going to stay outside with Hiccup, the doorman. Okay. I've, and it's a, since it's a small space, I'm going to stay outside too because I don't want anyone to recognize me. Okay. Uh, so I think that's everybody. Eugene, at this point, you make it to the bar that was mentioned in the directions that Logan gave you, and you see three of the party members. You see Oz, Sabine, and Logan go inside while Isby and Ghanem are hanging outside with some strange other man with a very nice shirt. So I'll walk up to the, the well-dressed lad and stick my hand out. Hello, Eugene Brunkle. Who are you? Just kind of not intentionally rudely, but going right past my two party mates he picks you up you need to if you want to resist he goes to grab your shirt collar and lifts you roll a or athletics or acrobatics check yeah i'm just i'm caught off guard i just kind of let him do it cool he picks you up and he goes never seen you around here before what are you doing uh, here uh, uh guys guys guy i uh <laughs> at seeing that i start to turn on him uh-huh like not not in like more intimidating, not threatening, but intimidating. Okay. I'm, I'm with them. He hiccup turns to Isby and Ghanem and says, is he really with you? Yes. Yes. Hiccup puts you down. Next time, start with that, okay? My apologies. All right, um, well, are you going in or are you staying out here with your friends? Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll be going in, um... Excuse me. All right. So you go by. As he comes by, like, I actually dust him off. <laughs> straighten, like, straighten his cape up. <laughs> I'll smile up at him. Walk into the I'm door. not even looking at him. I'm, like, dead staring at Hiccup. That's fine. You're dead eyeing him. Uh, Eugene is grateful <clears throat> for your, your help. Eugene, you go in, and this is when you see the bar is a basically a 15-foot by 15-foot room. There is one table on the back wall and a bar that seats maybe four people. One of the stools looks kind of iffy. And you see the three that I mentioned in there and an elderly man with glasses polishing, you know, one singular glass. And there are two kegs behind the bar next to him. You see them all talking. I approach my party mates and I'll just, you know, partake in whatever conversation they're currently engaged in. All right. So you guys have already introduced your, we're going to say that you've introduced yourself to the page or the, the bartender who is named Stryker and he has a previous, he's had a previous encounter with Logan already. Stryker, these are my guild mates. Uh, I joined up with Omni Repair. Um, anyways, guys, welcome to the best bar in Mohol. Uh, probably the best bar in, uh, in all of Night Vale. Stryker spits onto the bar when you say that and kind of gives you like this bullshit face. You must Sabine. be really well known to get us in. Sabine looks to Logan and she says, well, we'll see about that. Stryker, a glass of your finest ale. And she pulls out a coin and throws it on the counter. What coin do you pull out? Uh, Sabine has that perk. What is it? Like the uh, silver or gold. Oh, a, well, right. A silver, a silver piece. Okay. You throw a silver piece on the counter. Stryker looks at it, picks it up, bites it a little bit. As it bends just slightly, he puts it in his pocket, takes the glass that he was polishing, and opens up the the keg to fill the mug, puts it on the bar. You notice that this is a very uh, light yellow beer, and you can see sediment on the bottom of the cup. Like I said, best bar in Mohol. 
Yeah. Sabine looks at Logan, kind of rolls her eyes, takes a sip of a beer. Can I, uh, do I roll to see if I die or get sick? Uh, you, if you sip the beer, you're fine. It is just very low quality beer and you can tell instantly that it's close to turning. It's not there yet, but it's, it, it's close. She puts the mug down. She says, I quite good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm glad you like it, Sabine. Uh, I'll look over at Stryker. Uh, Stryker, uh, I need some information. And you owning a bar, I'm sure you know a good bit of stuff comes through here. Uh, yes, uh, yes, I do know quite a bit. But uh, nothing comes for free, Logan. Um, I'll take 20 gold out. And I'll put it on the bar. He swipes that gold up so fast you thought a tornado came through. Yeah, that should do it. What do you want to know? There's been missing kids. About ten in the last month. Mm-hmm. I want to know who's taking them and any way that I can find them. Hmm. Well, at least of the breaking and enterings as well. Hmm. Oh, and the breaking and enterings. Hmm, yeah, breaking and enterings. I know about those, and I know about the missing kids. I, How many did you say there were? Ten in the last month. Ah, well, I only know about five, but what I can tell you is that nobody's taking them. At least nobody's claiming responsibility for taking them. And a lot of people have loose lips in this bar. So they're just leaving on their own? Hmm, seems that way. Kind of strange if you ask me, but, well, what can you do? Any idea where they're hiding out? People have seen them? Well, from my understanding, some of the break-ins have occurred. <coughs> some of the break-ins have occurred right here in the main square of Mohol, and some have happened in the Undercity. And he kind of gives you directions so that if you wanted to, you could find those spots or those areas. So that's all you got for me? Well, what else do you want to know? And- have you seen Gruel about? No, he hasn't been here in ten days. It's quite strange. Yeah. Alright. Um, so no one's claiming taking these kids. No, and the breaking and enterings that are associated with them... I'll give you this. Something strange is the fact that they the kids don't seem to take anything. They break in, they look for a bunch of things, they look through a bunch of things, but don't take anything. It's... So odd. Also, this stays between us. And he kind of, like, waves you over, Logan, to pull you in closer. Yeah, I'll lean in. If you see Gruel, tell him that the guards have been looking for him. And that's strange. He's usually not sloppy. Okay. I can do that. Thanks, Logan. And he gives you five of the gold back as kind of a payment for the message being sent. Don't worry about it, Striker. You gave me a lot of good information. Keep it. Yeah, I guess I did. And then he kind of like goes back to polishing one glass. Dorf, would you like another drink? Oh, no, I couldn't possibly. Thank you kindly, though. What if I said I was asking you to test out a special batch of beer for me? When you say special, what do you mean by that? It's a new brew I'm trying for the bar. Sure, but only a half pint, because, you know, I've got to work for the rest of the day. Sabine, you're usually not shy about drinking. Oh my god. I was remember. Hair of the dog. So, 
Stryker goes and gets a half pint cup. This is a wooden mug and fills it up with what you can't see under the bar. You just hear the crack of a cask and a small sploop sound as the cup goes into the liquid. He puts it on the bar and you notice that it is a deep, thick black liquid that bubbles a little. It kind of looks like what you would hear in dwarven stories about witch's brew. It smells like sulfur and earth. Sabine looks to the to the uh, ground and just says, "Gods be with me." And she takes the smallest sip dwarvenly possible. <laughs> okay, you taste it, and it tastes like tar, and it burns all the way down. You feel in your gut the urge to burp. Do she, you repress uh, it or do you let it fly? She kind of leans into into Logan side by side mm-hmm. and burps. You see the smallest wisp of flame come out of your mouth, and you feel very relieved. Stryker's looking at you curiously to see what you thought of it. She she looks at Logan dead serious, like she's going to murder him, and just says, Best bar in Molehold. Yeah, that's what I said. Stryker's a great guy. And she comes the best. Stryker, you should... You should- you should let this sit for a bit longer. I don't want to know if it's ready for public consumption yet. Oh, okay, well, th- thanks for the advice. And he puts the cup back in and says, you know, if you guys need any more information or more great beer, come on back down, all right? Sure thing. Um, and uh, I'll go to shake his hand and then leave. He shakes your hand and you guys exit. Isby, Eugene, Ghanem. You see everybody come out of the bar. You've been chilling with Hiccup. Nothing exciting happened. Uh, as as we're leaving the bar, I kind of like to pull Logan aside and say, mm, if the children weren't taking anything, perhaps they were leaving things. You know, that's that's not... That's actually pretty smart. <laughs> that's really smart. I never would have thought of that. Damn. Mm, so, I think no, no, no. It, it's just the fact that, that Logan was just like, why would people break in, like, and not take anything? Like, he feels like an idiot for not thinking about it. <laughs> uh, so it might make sense for us to go investigate where some of the break-ins took place. Well, I have a map uh, showing us where the break-ins are, so we can head to those places. I have a good feeling about the break-ins in Undercity. I feel like that might lead to something. So head to the Undercity instead of the main square? I mean, we are in the main square, so it would make sense to look here first, though. Yeah. Um, so, got him. Uh, uh, Isby, uh, I got some information. Uh, no one's claimed uh, taking the kids. Uh, they, they think that they're leaving on their own. No one knows why. And that when they break into these houses, they don't take anything. Maybe they haven't taken anything yet. Well, uh, Eugene thought that they might be leaving something. Mm, They also might be looking for something specific. True. So I have a map to where all of the break-ins have happened in here and in Molehole. So maybe we should investigate here and then head over there. Do we want to wait till night? Uh, No, 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 no. Maybe we should do this investigate in while it's still daylight out, and then, um, and then maybe look for the kids at night. Maybe in, maybe in uh, the undercity. 
if we go about sneaking in the night time, they're going to start thinking that we are trying to rob places or murder people. So I suggest we do the investigation during the day. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't be investigating the, the houses at night. We'd just be looking for the kids, watching for where they try to break into. Aye, uh, and the best use of our time would be to do some investigating now and then post Watchmen during the eve and watch for the children to come in and out. And just shrug. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, our, tour, our tour to break-ins in the main square starts where exactly? <laughs> yeah, the tour day break-in. Mm-hmm. So you notice that from the directions that Stryker gave you, that most of the break-ins happen away from the main street, further into Mohol, closer to the second wall of Night Vale. So basically halfway into the shanty, you know, metropolis are a cluster of houses based on the directions that have been broken into, that can be identified as broken into. I mean, we are talking about Mohol here. Do you guys make your way yeah. there? Uh, yeah, along the way, can I just keep an eye out for Ghoul at all? Yeah, we'll roll some perception checks for that, actually. Cool. You want me to do it now? Uh, yeah, so does anybody else want to do anything, or are you guys headed straight for the array of shanties that have been broken into? Sabine kind of turns to Isby and says, Girl, do you have anything in your in your pack that would be a refreshing taste for my, for my mouth? I just gurgled something terrible, and I don't want to use my health potion. At that request, Isby, you notice that Sabine actually has a large flask, like a, a water skin, on her back that she's had this entire time. <laughs> like, uh, do you mean like that water on your back there? Oh, right. I guess you're not used to carrying it, are you? <laughs> no, no, it's a new addition, really. I, I understand, but that might help. Ah, you're right. So I pull the water skin from my side and... Or she pulls it from her side and pops it open, takes oh. a swig. So, Sabine, you crack open this flask, and the purest, coolest-tasting water that has ever touched your lips starts to fill your mouth. Doesn't stop. You you drink until you are, you're done. <sighs> By the stones that taste good. You notice that the skin hasn't lost any weight, either. Like, you just took a large swig of it, and it feels like the water skin has just the same amount of water in it. She kind of looks at it oddly and kind of, you know, tilts her head and holds it up to the light and goes, eh, and puts it back around her belt. All right. So, uh, Logan, as you guys are all walking towards the array of shanties that have been broken into, roll three perception checks. You got it, Bob. That's not great. Hold on. Oh, that's better. And three. Okay, so we've got, well, let me check my perception. Uh, we've got, the first one was a uh, 9. Okay. The second was an 18, and the third one was a 21. Okay, one second. Oh, good on you. So you notice nothing for the first two. The last mm -hmm. one, just as you're about to get to the area that you're, your destination you notice a small boy about 50 feet down one of the alleyways poke his head out and is basically staring directly at you. As soon as your eyes make contact, he disappears behind the shanty. Uh, guys, uh, 
follow me just real quick and i'm gonna bolt down that way okay you make it down there and roll a like as soon as you turn the corner you're looking very thoroughly so roll me another perception check okay hey yeah that's okay 17. all right let's see you see nothing you hear the sound of running footsteps but you can't pinpoint where it's coming from but the alleyway looks empty as there are many you know nooks and crannies to dive through via shanties and alleyways is there anyone like i can run down it real quick to see if i can see anything Mm -hmm. yeah so you run down the alleyway and look left and right as there are two openings between shanties and you see nothing and the footsteps are getting fainter. Isby. Yes. You've shown uh, the ability to change animals before. Do you think you could turn into some sort of hound and track this kid? I mean, I could probably try. By that, I mean, I need to make sure, like our hounds, for those more knowledgeable than my our hounds, within my challenge rating yeah level. They're, they're one quarter and the reason cody's asking or oz is asking you to do that is you will get advantage on perception checks when tracking something pretty sure that's how it works yep Thank hey man you. the dm knew a rule good on me <laughs> yes. yeah you so. want to you want to transform into a mastiff which is a one-eighth challenge which is lower than a quarter. And it says you have advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on hearing or smell. Yeah, I'll be a Mastiff. All right, so you transform into a Mastiff and you know, start instantly smelling the tracks on the ground. So do me a favor and roll. I assume that you're just going to agree with what Oz said, sorry. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. Can I then do guidance and touch her as the hound? I don't know. As he does that, can I roll over on my back because get it to get a belly rub? You, you, <laughs> got, you got it. Oz, do you rub her belly? <laughs> Absolutely. That's how I cast the spell. Arcanus guide you with a belly rub. <laughs> it's canon. That, that's how we. That's how we bless the dog. All right. Who's, so, a, who's a good girl? Uh, who's a good girl? Okay. Isby, you can now roll with a plus four. You can roll a d4 and add it to your perception check. Okay, and I get advantage, right? Yep. All right. Good thing I get advantage. Not natural 20. Cool. Uh, You pick up the scent of the kid as it's hard to look at the tracks and the hearing. Your hearing is muffled as you're a dog. You have much more sensitive hearing. You can hear a lot of footsteps happening from larger streets, and it's making it hard to focus. But you smell the kid. It's a very distinct smell. And you start running down the alleyway past Logan. Logan, you see this dog that was Isby bolt past you. Oh, I'm, I'm following her. I'm keeping up as best as I can. Okay. Uh, Isby, do me a favor and roll another perception check. As you race down the alleyway, sniffing left and right. Um, ten this time. Okay. You lose the scent, and the sound of the child's footsteps are gone. It's kind of indeterminate as to which direction you should go to. Okay, so I'm just going to do the head tilt back and forth. Okay. 
everybody, I assume everybody else kind of like followed suit. Yeah, I'm just stopped doing the head tilt. So there's just an indefinite amount of like alleys that he could have went down. Like there's no... Yeah, so imagine yourself in a... Remember that scene from the... I think it's the Indiana Jones Ark of the Covenant where they're putting the box away with the Ark of the Covenant in that like, a you know, huge maze of boxes. Yeah. It's that, but shanties. Like, there are alleyways, there are streets, there are shanties stacked on top of shanties that a child could easily climb up and run over. I was about to say, how tall are these shanties? And can I get on top of one? You, you can. Some of them are, you know, eight feet tall, some of them are six feet, and some of them are two stories tall. And you have the ability to easily climb one of the two story ones. Do you want to do that? Yeah, I'll get on, one, on top of one of those. All right. You get up there, roll me. I assume you're looking for the kid. Yeah. Roll me a perception check. That's a 17. You see way in the distance, somehow the kid has gained a very, like, 150-foot gap between you two. You see him running towards the undercity of Mohol. Uh, I'm going to look down and scream into the alley. They're headed towards the... He's headed to the undercity. Um, Is there a way, like... I guess I can't like keep an eye on him and run across the rooftop. Oh, you can. We can. We can totally roll, you know, acrobatics and athletics checks for you to jump from roof to roof and like take a shortcut. But unless the party wants to follow, you will be separating yourself from the party. Do I see what direction um, he pointed? You do. Yeah, I yeah, think I'm I would start. take off. All right, one second, one second. All right, so Oz, what do you want to do? I'm taking off with his beat towards the other city as soon as he points. Uh, what's the rest of the party doing? Uh, Eugene, how do you feel about the Sabine? What's up? Uh, I'm following Logan, I guess. All right. I'm trailing uh, Isby. Okay. So you guys... So is, the, is the party splitting up real quick? Split uh, the party. Split the party. Well, I'm booking it across those rooftops. All right. So basically what's going to happen is Logan's trying to go through a shortcut and Isby and the rest of the party are trying to follow him but sticking to the alleyways. Correct? Well... I've, I've fallen off a roof or two, so I'm not doing that again. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I, I'm going to take off, run in that direction, and then pause every so often to see if I can pick up any scent or hear any footsteps to kind of right. better direct my attention. So this is what we're going to do. Logan, you start sprinting across your rooftop, and you notice that there's a decent gap, but you feel confident you can make it. Roll a an athletics or acrobatics check to jump the gap towards the boy natural 25 yeah you soar through the air elegantly looking like Rhaegar himself as you land on the next roof and Isby you see this and you're following him on the ground it's not hard to keep up with him yet okay okay so Logan do me a favor and roll another check as you you know see that this gap is slightly larger uh, across a larger street to the next roof Okay. Uh, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yep. You make it and your back foot, you feel the edge of the roof kind of, sp- the wood splits as you land, but you make it easily over and continue to run. Isby, roll a perception check as you're following Logan to see if you can re-pick up the trail of the kid. Um, 17. Mm-hmm. Yep, you pick up the scent and you know that you're headed in the right direction. And you kind of, if you want, you can give an affirmative bark that you've re-picked up the trail. I will absolutely do that. 
You gonna RP that for me? <laughs> Affirmative bar. <laughs> All right, Logan, roll two more checks as you're going to basically parkour off of one roof and slide down the alleyway as you've closed a significant distance between you and the kid, and you can basically see the alleyway he's running down. Okay, so that's one's a 12 and the other is a 17. Okay, so you make it over the first roof and you kind of slip as you, you, you know, close the gap. The second roof is just a little too far away and your chest, you, you don't make the distance and your chest hits the top of the roof. Roll a strength or an athletics check to kind of either pull yourself up or drop down. Your choice. That's a 24. Yep, you pull yourself up and you see that the kids about 20 feet away from you down in the alley. Isby, you come around the corner with the party trailing right behind you and you look to your left, you also see the kid who's about 20 or 30 feet away. Uh, Go after that kid. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Can I yell, hey, kid, stop? Okay, you yell, hey, kid, stop, and the kid turns and freezes. Just stops Ooh. right in his tracks. The, Isby, you're, you know, bolting towards the kid, I assume? Yes, but I want, when I get close to the kid, I would like to just jump on it, see if I can knock it down like a dog would, and just lick its face and act like a happy dog. Yeah, you. this happens, the kid has no resistance and falls down, but starts screaming wildly as you lick it. You hear the kid call for help. I'll stop and do the little head tilt thing again, and a little whine. The kid sits up, and at this point, everybody, including Logan, you're all in front of this child. <laughs> he's panting heavily, and he's just like, what do you want? Uh, why'd you run? You looked exa- you looked directly at me. I think you realized who I am and then bolted. I have no idea who you are, but you're huge and scary and I don't want to get hurt. I'm not going to hurt you, kid. You just look suspicious and there's a bunch of kids missing around, missing around a molehole. I'm going to nuzzle the kid a little bit. <laughs> the kid responds positively to your nuzzling and attempts to scratch your snoot. I like that. He seems to calm down a little bit. And he's like, I don't know anything about any missing kids. I just, I was, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I need to go home. Where's home? Where are you supposed to be? He points in the direction behind you guys. And he's like, I live back at the main square of Mohol with my family. Where were you? Where were you supposed to be? That's where we were, and you ran this way. Yeah, so you guys couldn't follow me back to my house. And I'm supposed to be home. I'm going to be super big trouble with my mom. Oh, all right, Who's your mom? Who's your mom? Gladys? My mom's name is Gladys. Why? (laughs) I didn't think we were going to get this far. (laughs) Um, yeah, can I insight to see if this kid's lying? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 
14. From what you can tell, this is a very scared kid who realizes he's in a lot of trouble. Nothing he says seems dishonest, though. He, he genuinely seems afraid and wants to go home. <laughs> Sabine kind of gets to him. Does she have to, like, get down on Lemini to be eye level with him? You, you do. <laughs> okay. Good. I just want to check. She's very insecure about her height. So she gets down on one knee and she goes, Boy, you're not in any trouble. We just want to know if you can help us find any of the missing children. I don't know anything about any missing kids. You haven't heard anything on the streets. Your mother hasn't even said anything about worrying about you and wanting you to be home at a certain time. I mean, she she always worries about me. That's, that's... Do you have any friends who've gone missing? No. All of my friends are in the main square. They're fine. I'm the one that's worried about going missing. Well, what's got you so worried? Us. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Uh, I start, I walk over kid. I get down close to him next to Sabine. And I give him my most charming smile. Hey, buddy. Sorry about all this. My name's Gunnam, and I stick out, like, my finger for him to shake it because my hand's too big. He basically goes catatonic at seeing you. His eyes grow wide, and he blanches and turns super white. And says nothing to you and does not reach for your hand. He is staring. He in, he's staring intently at your tusks. Or does Ganem have big tusks or are they small? Uh, I I think they're not huge. I think they're about medium size. Okay, well, <clears throat> if they are if they are visible, the kid is like intently staring at them and is not saying anything. He is now visibly shaking. I'm going to jump a little bit and kind of run back and forth between the two and like nuzzle one and then go back and nuzzle the other and he the the kid stuff the kid let's see yeah the kid responds super positively to that and kind of laughs and relaxes a little bit and tries to like hold you around the neck and pet you vigorously i'll let him do that all right uh would it be all right if we walked you back home just to make sure you got home safe i'm gonna bark at that I really rather you wouldn't. My mom's going to be upset if strangers bring me home. I promise I'll go home, though. I'm not a bad kid. Uh, Logan's frustrated at the situation. He thought he saw something, and he really didn't. Hey, quick question. Uh, no, never mind. It's dumb. Um... All right, we'll get home. Uh, unless you guys oh, have oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, little guy. I know, I know, and I like motion to my face. This kind of worries you a bit. You know what a you know what a justice here is. He looks to the rest of the party. He says, "Can I please go?" He's trying to ignore you. I I give up. <laughs> I can't stop again. The bean pats him on the shoulder and says, go on, get out of here. At that, I'm going to lick his face real big. Okay. He accepts all of your goodbyes. And at that, the kid bolts for the direction that he pointed to towards the main square of Mohol. And you see him disappear behind one of the shanties, assuming, you know, all the best. He's going to make it home okay. Well, that was a waste of time. Not really. We got closer to the Undercity. Just point out back over that way. 
We also know he doesn't like orcs. It's at this yeah. point that you hear the sound of the is very familiar sound of the slapping on legs like a clap 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 clap. Yeah, boy, how did you guys mess that up? And you hear from behind you guys on one of the rooftops of the shanty a voice coming from that direction. I'm going to look up to see who it is. Okay. You see a tall, lanky boy whose body is somewhat concealed by heavy and baggy clothes. Uh, Poking out from under his hat are red curls, and his overalls are all but tatters. And he hops off the roof and steps close to you guys, especially you, Oz. He comes right up to you and puts his hand out. How you doing, big fella? Name's Cooper. Uh, Pleasure to meet you there, Cooper. You have to bend down to, to reach his hand. Yeah, of course. You guys are awful with kids, you know that? I billow my cape. Ooh. All right, do you billow I'm it? Gonna, I'm going to whine. One second. Uh, Eugene, you billow the cape? Yep. Looking brave. Cooper turns from you, Oz, and walks towards Eugene. How much you want for that cape? What? That cape's pretty cool. I bet you look better on me, though. Cooper, how you doing? And he extends his hand to you. Eugene Bruckle, uh, you can have this cape if you show us where the missing kids are. Oh, you want to know about the missing kids, huh? Yep. I kind of gathered that from the way you were harassing that little kid. What do you want to know about them? Just where they are? Where they are, what they've been up to, everything you know. If you uh, let us, let me know what we need to know up to satisfaction, up to our satisfaction, then the cape's yours. Wait, if you know where they are, can't you just take us? What's your name, big guy? Oz. Oz. Cooper. And he points to his chest. I'm going to explain something to you, okay? All right. There's a little saying in Mohol. You probably haven't heard it yet, based on what you just said, but I'm going to give it to you for free. Nothing in the Mohol is free, so you got to do something for me. Do you get what that saying means? I understand. Good, good. Now back to this cape. I like this cape. Eugene, right? Yes. Can I inspect the cape? No. Oh, well, you're not dumb. How about this? I know a thing or two about these missing kids, and I'm willing to share that information for you, with you. But the cape isn't enough. I need a favor, and you guys seem like you are kind of rough and tumble, you know? You could take on a thug or two, maybe go to a haunted house, retrieve something for me. What do you say? Perhaps. Perhaps? Boo! Shame on you. A child is asking for your help. We don't write blank checks. It's not a blank check. I'm asking for one favor, and I'll tell you everything you want to know. I know everything that happens in Molehole. And he, like, pulls up his overalls, pulls them out, and lets them snap back into place as they are made of an elastic material. Can I, like, roll an insight on this kid? Yeah, go ahead. See, be bullshitness. That's not great. Eleven. Mm, the answer to your question is, you think some of what he's saying is true, but the whole thing about him knowing everything, that's got to be bullshit. Yeah. But he may know something. You, you get this inkling that some of what he says is true. He seems street smart. 
Sabine turns to the group and she says, some of the best informants are uh, children for the Golden Company. We should maybe check this kid out. At that, at that, Cooper turns to you, Sabine, and goes, oh, why, thank you, my lady. And he takes his hat off and bows. What an intelligent and tall dwarf. Never mind. This kid is full of shit. Wow. What's Cooper, right? Yeah, that's me. You can give us just one piece of evidence that you know half as much as you say you do. We'll fulfill this favor for you. Hmm. I guess the... It's important to do some pro bono work for the community. Otherwise, my reputation might sink a little. All right, here's what I'll give you. One, you guys were probably headed to the main square area where a bunch of the breaking and enterings happened, right? Go on. Yeah. Well, the three kids that are missing from that area are Wendy, Mindy, and Ralph. Wendy, Mindy, and Ralph? Yeah. I'm asking you personally. No, no, I'm asking. I just, just, how do you spell oh, yeah. Ralph? R A L P H. <laughs> Wendy, Mindy, and Ralph. How's that for knowledge, Eugene? And he kind of like gives you a like tongue out face. We already knew that. Mm, roll a deception. Even if we didn't know that, that's useless information. Their names aren't going to help us find them. Right, he'll answer you in a second, Ganem. Uh, Eugene, roll deception. Right, uh, and I'm gonna use my. Does this count as a? a no, it doesn't count as a, a persuasion. You are not persuading. You are lying. The six. Cooper kind of cocks his head at you and he says, "You might have known a few things, but you didn't know everything. And you, half orc, listen up. I said I'd give you information. I didn't say it would be useful. If I give you useful information, I'd be broke as a joke." But I did prove that I know a lot about this. Oh, here. Let me give you something else. The rest of the breaking and enterings happened in the undercity on the rows. Bet you didn't know that. No, no, we did. We, we have a map of where it happened. Well, that just proves that I know where things are happening. And I still have information that would be valuable to you. But I can take my business elsewhere. You guys seem to be very busy solving all this children missing thing by yourself. Tell me about this haunted house there, Cooper. Ah, see, Oz, I knew that you would be the sensible one. Come here. And he kind of like waves you down so that you can be closer to his voice. Yeah, I'll plop down. All right, listen up, Oz, because I don't think the rest of your cohort is going to help. But I need a very particular item from old lady Gwendolyn's house, and it's super haunted. Like, I'm talking ghosts, vampires, zombie dragons. They're in there. I know they are. And all I need is a silver spoon with a special little carving on the end. It's a fox sleeping on some, uh, some roses. If I tell you where this house is and you get me that spoon, I'll tell you everything you need to know. You said vampires... Zombies and dragons? Yeah, oh my, that was awful, I'm telling you. I'm gonna need a lot of hazard pay. I mean, I'm literally going to tell you everything you need to know to solve whatever you guys are looking for. I know everything in Mohol. Your spoon's not worth my life. Hmm. Alright, well, 
You guys have fun doing it, whatever it is you do. I'm out of here. Bye. But, uh, wait. Mm. Where is this hospital? He turns around and smiles very mischievously at you. I didn't think you would be the one, but all right. Follow me. And he starts humming and whistling, and he starts walking down the alleyway towards the Undercity. I'm going to turn back and look at the pony. I'm not a smart guy, but if I can get information by pummeling something, then I'll just give him like like a shrug with my arms out and walking that way. Okay. Logan, you start following Cooper. What does the rest of the party do? I follow. Okay. I follow too, but if anyone's near me or around me, this is really stupid. As big as a dog, I'd probably hear that. You would. Everybody would hear that except for Cooper. He's too busily whistling and seems very happy with himself. All right, so you guys follow the kid for about 20 minutes. You head through the entrance of the large carved out part of the mountain that leads to the Undercity. And the shanty arrangement starts to change to a more ordered form. You notice that rather than having this random hodgepodge of different buildings stacked on top of each other, they start to actually become rows of shanties. And it's very clear that Cooper knows where he's going. At the end of one of the alleyways, he turns right, and he starts to get a little nervous. You can tell that his whistling has stopped, his body language changes, but he keeps moving forward. And eventually he reaches the entrance to an alleyway, and he goes, All right, it's at the end, that last one on the left. You'll notice it because old lady Gwendolyn used to have a lot of pot plotted plants and she had a flagpole, but she never had anything on the flagpole. And you guys notice that it is a, a series of row homes and shanties that sequentially seem to get more dilapidated and more broken down the further down the alleyway you go to the point where at the edge of your site, you notice that mold and rot have started to set into the houses. Uh, and, uh, old lady Gwendolyn, I take it, isn't alive anymore? I would be very surprised. And the house has been abandoned? Mm-hmm. But I need that silver spoon. That silver spoon's gonna set me up for life. We get the spoon. You take us to the kids. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not gonna take you to the kids. I'm gonna tell you where the kids are. That was the agreement. No, 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 no. Change of plans. If I'm gonna go in here and have to fight a zombie dragon... Like you said. I just want to point out, there's no dragon in there. Yeah, I know that. He's a dumb kid. Uh, do you say that in a whisper? Yeah. Roll a deception check to, like, hushedly say it. <laughs> that would be a 18. Yeah, you notice Cooper leaning in, but he can't make out the words that you're saying. This is a, a row home, right? Yeah, so you are basically in the middle of an alleyway with wooden shanties on your left and right, but they're much more ordered, going in a straight line, leaving about a 20-foot gap, you know, to make a road. And the further down you look the alleyway, the more rotted and old the houses look, as if they're not being taken care of anymore. Are they touching each other? Yeah, they're, they're, they are side to side to side to side. Okay, so I can't burn it down. Oh, I mean, you can. <laughs> You're just going to start the fire that ignites half of Molehole. Yeah, that's not something Eugene would do. So you're going to take us to these kids or not? You see Cooper kind of milling it over in his mind. I'll take Remember, you... Remember, you're set up for life. Yeah, but I also need to live to deliver the spoon. I'll take you close, 
but I won't take you there. I'll point at it from a distance. How's that sound? And I'll wait for you guys to wave it in and be like, yeah, yeah, you were right. You can go now, kid. Deliver to who? Hmm? He, like, cocks his head and looks very dumbfounded at you. Who are you delivering the spoon to? Who said I was delivering it to a person? Fair enough. Where are you delivering it? Your mom's house. Ooh, he got you there. She is a kind woman. Leave her out of this. I can't. That's where I'm delivering the spoon. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to just kind of brutally turn away. <laughs> do you do you flap your, do you billy your cape? Oh, you know it. Just oh, it's so good. In his general direction, but not close enough that he could grab it. <laughs> okay. You clearly see Cooper, like, his eyes go wide as your cape billows in the non-existent wind. And you hear him muffle under his, or whisper under his voice, I gotta get that cape. <laughs> um, as, as I turn away, I, I would like to turn to Oz. <coughs> yep. And say, mm, either way, however this goes, when he leaves, we should follow him. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You guys are so untrusting of children. Shame on you. I think he's a missing kid. Damn, Eugene. Anyway. Did that cape make you Batman? <laughs> All right. I'm right there with him. All right, so he's waiting for you guys to head down the, the alleyway. You know it's the last house on the left. Oh, no. Why'd you have to say it like that? Now I'm spooked. The, zom- um, the zombie dragons and vampires didn't spook you? I, I don't believe there's a zombie dragon or a vampire in there. I don't like that you don't trust Cooper. Cooper's a good kid, man. Cooper's a bullshitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start heading towards the, the house. Okay. Anybody follow? Yeah, yep. I'll follow. All right. <laughs> Isby, are you still a dog? Until you tell me the hour's up and I can't be a dog anymore. No, you, it has not been an hour yet. You are You are a dog. Yes. Okay, so everybody follows Logan down the alleyway, and as I mentioned before, it looks like the buildings are rotted through by about halfway down the, the street. When you make it to the end, you see a shanty that's much larger than the others, being the last one on the left, with the aforementioned potted plants and a single flagpole popping out of the porch with no flag on it. It has you know, two stories, several windows, and a door that's half broken in. Looks like it's not been broken in by force, but just deteriorated from rotten mold. Isby, you specifically, without having to roll anything, smell all of this rotten mold to the point where you know that going into that house would be not dangerous if you leave quickly, but the longer you stay there, the higher chance you're going to get sick. Okay, and knowing I have no way of communicating that well, with uh, anyone in my current form, I'm going to shift out of it and communicate that to the party. Go ahead. So, going to shift. Oh, we're keeping that sound effect. (laughs) 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 So, guys, uh, I just want to let you know there's a lot of mold in that building. It's not safe for us to be there long. Is mold considered a poison? I just know when I was in my dog state, it was... I couldn't stay in it any longer from this point. It was too noxious to the senses. I do not believe it will be safe for us to stay there long. Certain types of mold are poisonous, yes. Just don't go eating it. Well, <clears throat> I don't feel like it's healthy gets, to breathe in either. If anyone gets sick, I can help them. 
well as it's poisonous. So as you guys are talking, you hear a loud crash as the front door uh, just gives away to time and crumples completely onto the ground. You hear the, the slosh and crack of wood rotting falling to the ground. Huh. Ominous. Or an invitation. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Um, so let's go in and get this done quickly. I guess you won't be punching the door then. Mm, sadly, no. Yeah, I'm going to take one of the extra pouches that I have and put it around like a mask. Okay. All right, so everybody... Uh, watching him do that, knowing that Oz is medically inclined, uh, I'm going to take my sash off, like the one I wear around like a like my, my waist, mm-hmm. and put it around my mouth and nose. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm doing the same with a scarf that I have. Okay. And I'll do the same, and can I periodically, every five minutes, clean all of their sashes with prestidigitation? Yeah, you can do that. Uh, Sabine does the same. She covers her mouth, but with her with her very long braid. Nice. All right. Got, got, got him. Great. I just look at everyone and just go, <laughs> start walking. Okay. So who's entering first? I guess me now. All right, Ghanem, you enter, and I'm going to assume the party follows? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm right behind them. You enter into a dimly lit room as some of the light from the daytime is still, you know, cresting the hill. The room is dimly lit. We'll just say that for sure. And you're in a living room area. There's furniture, and you notice purple mushrooms growing out of it and a black mold that seems to be dispersed across most of the floor and is slowly crawling up the ceiling. There are also three doors uh, to your left and two staircases on your right, one leading up and one leading down. It is quiet. Um, Um, I'll slowly start to walk forward. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we should find the kitchen or dining room. Maybe that's where the silver fork is. Spoon. Oh, silver spoon. Sorry. I'm going to stay in this main room and start setting up for detect magic as a ritual. Okay, so Oz, you're going to do that for the next 10 minutes, and we'll get back to you when the ritual completes, unless you you know, want to break it. You can tell me if you want to break the ritual. I'll let you know. Yep. Everybody else, you see Oz setting up for a ritual in the living room. What does everybody else do? I'm going to start making my way towards uh, one of the doors on this level. Okay, so you have two on the left wall and one on the back wall opposite the entrance. Which one's closer? The first one on the left is about five feet from you. That's the one I'm going to. Okay. You crack open the door, and you notice that it is a bathroom. Old school medieval style. It is a... a, A privy. Yeah, privy. Uh, There's one cabinet above the the toiletry area, and a very sad-looking wash basin with no water in it. Well, could be in there, but I doubt it. I'll move to the next one. Okay. Anybody else doing anything while Ghanem's searching around? Yeah. I'm going to head to the door across the room. All right. So, Ghanem, you make it to the second door, and you open it up, and you notice that this is a walk-in larder or cupboard, and there are a bunch of baskets with very old food inside them and a bunch of cabinet doors that have been opened and left open. What do you do? Gag. Yep, you got it. And then shut the door. Okay. 
Logan, you go to the far doorway and open mm-hmm. it up, and it's clearly a kitchen. There's a cast iron stove with several racks of silverware hanging above, or several racks of cooking utensils hanging above it, and a couple of cabinets strewn throughout the rest of the room. It's about a twenty by, or it's about a ten by fifteen room. It's pretty big for a kitchen. Uh, I'm gonna go in and turn, before I go in, I'll turn around. But I found the kitchen, uh, and I'll go in and see if they keep the silverware there at all. All right, investigate, my friend. Yeah, and is there? Okay. Uh, so, uh, if you if you allow, I'll give him I'll give him a hand. Okay, so we'll say that when Logan states that he's found the kitchen, Ganem, you approach behind and aid him in looking through investigating. So that is a 19. Okay. You find the silverware drawer with lots of forks, knives, and spoons, but nothing that suggests, or nothing that has the intricate carving mentioned by Cooper. Um, Is there another door in here that leads to a dining room, or is it just the one room? Nope, that's it. You You are in the room. The door leading out goes back to the living room where Oz is working on his ritual. Okay. Uh, I'll turn to Gonneman. Uh I didn't. I don't see anything. At least nothing as intricate as Cooper said. Maybe it's an heirloom then. It's put in a special place. Yeah. Um, do you want to head upstairs? I weigh seventeen stone. This place is falling apart. Not really, so, but if that's where we gotta go. Why don't you stay down here? And if I fall through something, you can catch me. You're making an assumption about me knowing where you're going to fall. If you close enough and I fall through something, you can catch me. All right. No, just give, you, give you a blank look and like move out of the way of the door. All right. All right, baby. You're doing a great job, and I'll clink you on your armor. Just a little pat-pat. All right, so Logan, you head upstairs. Isby, uh, Sabine, what are you doing? Eugene, why don't you state what you're doing? Yeah, so I'm just kind of fumbling with reagents trying to help Oz get his ritual prepared okay more quickly because i'm not happy with <laughs> being in this house all right uh isby sabine um i'd be searching too because i want to get out of here so- all right so you've seen ganem and logan check the three doors and logan has come out and stated that the silverware in the kitchen does not contain the symbol you're looking for logan is starting to head upstairs the only other place to check is downstairs i'll check downstairs then uh, hey, wait, don't go though Oz, do you want to say anything before Isby goes downstairs? If anything happens, run back to me. All right, I will. Uh, Sabine, would you like to join me? Uh, Sabine looks to Isby and she says, as long as somebody's going to stand here and watch guard over our two sparkly boys over here. I'm (laughs) honestly, Sabine, I believe the safest place in this house right now is wherever I am. Exactly, and if we start getting attacked by anything hocusy-pocusy coming out, I want to make sure you're not interrupted. I'll be right here. All right. Isby, let's go. All right. So we'll go search. All right. You two head downstairs, and you notice this is a storage basement. There's lots of boxes everywhere. The smell of mold has gotten much worse. Both of you roll a constitution check as you, you know, go to the bottom of the stairs. Twelve. It's a saving throw. It's a saving throw. So, Isby, you got a twelve? Yes. Okay. Uh, Non-nat 20. All right. Sabine, you walk down the stairs in front of Isby, and nothing happens to you. In fact, it kind of just smells like a dank basement to you, and you just start muddling around. Isby, you get... 
What was that, Sabine? <laughs> I said you mean like our house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Isby, you get to the bottom of the steps and you feel a little dizzy. You know deep down inside that if you stay here too much longer, you're going to get sick. All right, I'm going to grab Sabine's shoulder and say, I don't know if I can do this, but I can't let you be here alone. French. Go, go back to the top of the stairs, then I'll uh, I'll holler if I need you. Uh, I, I don't think I can do that. I can't in good faith leave you here. Let you go into this alone after what happened a couple weeks ago. Hi, girl, but if it's between me carrying you around when you pass out or you sitting at the top of the stairs, I think I'll take you at the top of the stairs. But maybe we could uh, send one of the tougher people down here with you. Whatever makes you comfortable, darling. I can handle this on my own. I, I'm sure you can, but after what happened, I think it's best we just go in pairs. DM interference. Both of you hear something from the back corner of the room that sounds like cracking and scurrying. Hi, what was that? I think we're going to need backup. Well, you go get it, I'll investigate. I'm going to sprint, sprint to go get the rest of the party. Okay, Isby, you sprint upstairs, and for time's sake, you tell everybody, hey, we heard something downstairs. Sabine, invest while this is happening, investigate. Can I ready an action and pull out my uh, battle axe? Hell yeah, you can. Your, action, your ready to action is what? My what? What is, what is your, you said you wanted to ready an action. Yeah. What's your ready to action? Pull out my axe. I mean, you can do that as a free action. And be ready to attack. So the for those of you listening at home, what Sabine is trying to say is that if something hostile jumps out at her, she wants to offload an attack. Yes. That is your ready to action. If something tries to attack you, you get the first swing. Right. Now roll me that investigation. Hey, real quick, while she's doing that, Scott. Yeah. When Isby comes up and breaks through the door, do you mind if I cast uh, Shield of Faith on Ozmet? Yeah, that happens. You cast a glowing aura over Oz. Oz, you realize that you are protected by faith. Yeah, I know the spell. Thank you. I'm just not doing. Okay, so as you two, uh, is anybody going to follow Isby back downstairs? Yeah, if I heard it, I'll, I'll follow her back down. Okay, so... I'll probably state that I thought the plan was to come back up. Okay. Isby, you hear Ghanem say this. Everybody else hears Ghanem say this too. Logan, you're headed back downstairs. Does anybody want to acknowledge what Ghanem said? Oh, no, I get you, but she's down there, and I, she's not the running type. So we can all stand here and wait for her to scream or die, or we can go back down. <sighs> yeah, there's no way she was following me back up. Fine. All right, you guys. How much longer do I have? Uh, one second. We're gonna let Sabine finish her investigation. Sabine, what'd you get for your investigation? Wah wah wah. Plus six. Cool. You move some boxes away, and a rat scurries out from one of the uh like holes in the wall. <laughs> you are mm-hmm. you are surprised by this somewhat, and you notice a black leather boot from behind the last box that you moved. Can I, since my action is ready, can I swing to hit the rat? Yeah, you got it. I mean, it, it's not hostile toward you, but if you want to hit it, you can. Uh, that would be a non-nat, or uh, sorry, a 22. All right, roll damage. You hit the rat as it comes right between your, as it tries to scurry between your feet. Eight. No. No, sorry. 12. So your axe comes down, and as you split this rat in half, a 
beautiful glowing aura erupts from the rat's body and a giant celestial winged creature appears and it instantly skewers you and you die. No, I'm kidding. You kill the rat. <laughs> it, I was supposed to say, Jesus, everybody get out. It's, it's rat. You have skewered, you have split in half rat. All right. Sabine wants to uh, kind of like shake the blood off of uh, her battle axe, which is called Nasher. And, uh, pick up the two halves of the rat and just kind of hold it, wait for everybody to come downstairs. Okay. Oz, you hear this giant clunk in the basement, like the sound of metal hitting, you know, stone, and your ritual is complete. Oh, great. All right, now I'll just begin walking through the house. Okay, everything in the first floor, non-magical, not a thingy. Everybody else, you make it down the stairs, and you see Sabine triumphantly holding two halves of a rat. Uh, good job, Sabine. Congratulations. All I know is I killed it. Whatever it was, I killed it. All right, well, let's get back upstairs before Gonim has a panic attack. Uh, I'm right here. Oh, well, I don't want you to have a panic attack, buddy. Uh, <laughs> let's get back upstairs next to, uh, next to Oz to see if he finds anything. Okay. So everybody goes back upstairs? Uh, is the basement just one room or is it multiple sections? From, from your investigation check, it's a bunch of boxes, a rat, and a black leather boot behind the the boxes. And to to fill it out more, there there was a foot in the boot. Like a fleshy foot or like a bone foot? Like a like there were there was a non decomposed leg in boot behind the box, you couldn't see the rest. All right, so she tosses the rat over her shoulder and then walks towards the boot and says, well, something odd about this over here, and invite, invite some whoever's left to come look at it. All right, we'll come right back to you guys in a second. Oz, you finished your search of the first floor and have found no magical presence. Everybody else seems to be downstairs. Gotcha. I uh, got ten minutes, and there's only, like, two rooms upstairs, so I'll just quick open the door if I don't get the sweep. And then just next one, and then downstairs. Okay, so you go upstairs? Yeah. Well, lucky for you, the second door that you open is a master bedroom, and you see a person in the fetal position on the bed, veiled in purple cloth, and they seem to be clutching something. I'm right behind him, by the way. I followed him. Okay, Eugene, you followed him upstairs? Yep. Are they or the item they're holding magical in nature the item in the hand is faintly glowing magically but you can't discern what school of magic it's from i know the spell says you can but it is just faintly no, you're, hey you're the dm whatever you say it is just faintly glowing magically it, you you can't tell it's not conjuration it's not illusion it's just faintly magical gotcha so you and eugene are alone in this room with this don't make me do it this person <laughs> Don't, don't make you don't, introduce yourself to this. Don't make me do it. <laughs> I mean, you're going to do what you're going to do, Eugene. I'll be, I'll start to s just close the door and see if that gets any interaction out of the individual. Nope. You close the door. Right. They are still as the grave, one would say. So I walk up to the kid and put my hand out and go, or the, the person. Uh, and put my hand out and go, mm, hello, I'm Eugene Brunkle. What's your name? You get nothing. So against my better judgment, I poke him. Him? Why are you assuming? Her. I poke them. 
No response. I poke them harder. No response. I, I look over at Oz. <laughs> and just kind of like go shrug. Um, yeah, could I inspect the person, see if they're under the effects of something, or... Uh, do you want to try and remove the, the cloth from them? They're, they're completely covered. No, they're completely covered. Yeah. Uh, I will reach... Aha, uh-huh, this is why we have them. I'll reach into my the chest that we have, and I'll blow the signal whistle. Okay, everybody downstairs. Uh, so we'll, we'll come up to that. So, Sabine, you turn around and investigate the, the black boot, and you see person dressed in all black with a black cape with a clasp on the cape of a skeletal finger holding a key, and they are super dead. They have purple mushrooms growing out of them, and that's it. Would she recognize that sigil from her work with the Golden Company? Yep, that's the Thieves Guild symbol right there for Nightvale. Excellent. Is that the? Do I have a sweet matching cape and clasp for my character episode? I think you do. Yeah. So Sabine gets really excited and she says, "I know that symbol. I know this cape. This this bugger was part of the Thieves Guild. This might be an important clue." Ah, uh, I don't know what kind of clue it is. I mean, he's dead, and those purple mushrooms look kind of gross, so I wouldn't touch him. I wasn't planning on touching him, but at the same time, this is some kind of sign that more's going on to this kidnapping than we thought. I don't think this has to do anything with the kidnapping. I think people might be here to just loot this place, and then something might have killed it. But there's nothing here. There's nothing down here. Except this body. Well, except for the body. There might be something upstairs. I walk over to the body. Yeah. Um, can I reach down and try and grab the clasp? Yeah. Uh, as soon as you do, you hear the whistle upstairs, and we are going to roll initiative next week. Ah! All right, everybody. Yeah. I appreciate you listening to another episode of Dungeons & Dragons. Thank you, Ghanem, for uh, going for the clasp. We're going to outro here. My name is Scott Riley. I've been your story master. We're going to take it away with the dwarf who found the thief, Sabine. I win! She did win. She killed the giant celestial god rat. Uh, Logan, take him out. Yeah, night, everybody. Uh, then uh, the best and most loving dog I've ever met, Isby. <laughs> <laughs> Oz, who, thank God, brought his you know emergency whistle. Take care, everyone. Eugene, who always backs up people when they're in need and also pokes dead bodies. Ooh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean... Toodles. Uh, and then the... Got him. Got him, get him. Got him, everyone.